0: going to read from the Bible, and um, we've, got a, we've got a technical difficulty this morning. We were praying before service, as we usually do, <laughs> and remarking that maybe there's something up this morning, <laughs> that, that um, something or someone doesn't want us to get out in that we've got technical difficulties. The Bible reading for this morning, Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40, and I'll just say that again for you, because if you do have a Bible or a phone, do I'll give you time to look it up. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. Our Bible software at the back does not want to find that this morning. It would find anything before that, it would find anything after that, we won't find that passage, <laughs> and so it's a bit weird, but that's what it is. And so we don't have it on the screen for you this morning. Uh, moreover, Zaria was going to read the Bible for us this morning, and Zaria is really crook with a cold. So um, I'm going to read this morning, and I trust that if if you have a device or a Bible with you, you can follow along. If not, please just just listen carefully and. Um, the text will be on the slides anyway as I, as I preach. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit, spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran As they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and travelled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Okay. Sometimes... When you work with a passage of scripture, um, things just kind of line up, and you and you go, "Hey, this is cool. I can I can make my points all with um, words that alliterate." You know, <laughs> without without choosing such awkward words to make your alliteration work, uh, it kind of naturally leans itself to it. And this morning's one of those instances. I think what we see in this reading is. We see three characters at play in it. There's a there's a seeking soul in this passage. There is a surrendered, spirit led, scripture speaking servant in this passage. And then there is a soul seeking sovereign in this passage, okay? I'll, you'll, you'll get them again as we work through the message. Let me show you what we want to look at each of the three of them and I want to apply what we can learn from each of the three of them to yourself and to myself and please think through with me as I work through them how their story or their situation might be yours today. All of us will connect at some points, to some of these people's story in this in this passage. So, let me work through them. The first character we, we, we met is 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 a. He's a seeking soul. This Ethiopian eunuch. What a what a fascinating character! <laughs> I put it to you. He, he's a, Here are just some of the things on his. CV, he's an important official. Uh, You might say he's the treasurer of his country, Ethiopian. He's in charge of all the finances of this this queen uh, of Ethiopia. Uh, He is a eunuch. Eunuchs were made such in the ancient times, really uh, brutally so, uh, because it was viewed by the sovereigns, so the Kings and the queens, that uh, if they put these men in charge of their estates, and particularly in a polygamous society where kings had lots of wives, you know, and they were very sort of zealous and jealous to protect them, they needed to guard them. And the way to ensure that this was done safely was they created eunuchs. And, and that's how they basically said, okay, this is a safe bet for this guy to look after my whole harem of wives. Uh, and this is one of those guys, right? Very, very strange sort of a life to lead, right? But perhaps what's most fascinating about him, most strange about him, is that he has gone to Jerusalem to worship. It's an odd thing. We don't even know, I mean, history, we can certainly trace history to how did did the idea of God get down into where this guy's from? This is sort of the modern-day Sudan. Now, we know, perhaps from Solomon's time, perhaps, you know, there's some idea of of how the Queen of Sheba and so forth came to Solomon and and the idea of God and worshipping God spread into Africa very early on. But still, I think this is quite unique that this guy would go Jerusalem to worship. The, the, the map would say that he's from here in Sudan, somewhere. Israel is way up here. He travels all the way up there. Five months. One way. <laughs> to get there and get back. <laughs> so 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 here's the question. Then there's there's something about this guy that fascinating, isn't it? What would make a guy who is a eunuch take a five-month journey to a country totally different from his own, to go and worship the god of an ethnic people totally different from his own? He's not a Jew, he's an African. (laughs) And what would make him sit on this chariot on the way home reading Bible, the Bible, the book of the Bible is one of the 66 books in the Bible called Isaiah. <laughs> what, what would make him do that? Isn't that fascinating? It's, 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 it's very unique. It's very interesting. And, and what is unique about him that, can, that, that we can say, hey, this is, this is important for us? Well, um, here's what I think we learn from him. That might be true of us. He's a religious person. He's very serious about finding something in life that would give him peace, ultimately that would give him joy, ultimately that would make him look at life, I think and say, I have found what life is about. I found it, I'm satisfied, (laughs) I'm full. The passage ends and we're going to sing the song, the Christmas song, Joy to the World in the End. He went away in the end after his baptism rejoicing. He, He found something in this encounter that I think he's been looking for all his life. And the interesting thing is he has looked for it in religion. He didn't go look for it in drugs, he didn't go look for it in money, he didn't go look for it in alcohol, he didn't go look for it in sex, he didn't go look for it in, what maybe he has pride in his life, but certainly up at this point you can't say that, no. He's looking for this joy, he's looking for this satisfaction, this meaning, this purpose, all of the fullness that, he, that, that he's yearning for in religion he'll travel 5 months to a country not his own to worship the god of a people not his own in the hope to find it the thing that will hit the spot of the seeking soul to say i've got it i've got it <laughs> i've got it you know and and he hasn't found it he's sitting on his chariot maybe he's jaded Maybe he's disillusioned because he's been to Jerusalem. He did what he thought he had to do there as the pilgrimage. But he's on his way home and he's still searching. He still hasn't got it. Until, of course, Philip shows up. Philip asks him, what are you reading? And they read the passage of Isaiah. talks about Jesus (laughs) and the text simply said Philip shared with him the message of Jesus right (laughs) and almost instantly you find this 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 moment after then Philip began with that very passage of scripture he told him the good news about Jesus And as they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he stops the chariot, he gets baptised and we get to the bit where it says, he went on his way rejoicing. You know, church, here's the bottom line. Here's what happened for the Ethiopian eunuch, I think. I think his life and his experience... Moved from a religion to an encounter with the living Lord Jesus. He moved from a religion or a religious exercise to an encounter with the living person Jesus. Here's a story in 1654 of French philosopher and physicist Blaise Pascal. He was reading his Bible in his room, which he was doing for a long time in his life. Went to a lot of church services. Read his Bible long, hard, often. And then something astonishing happened. Here's what Blaise Pascal writes in his diary. Monday, 23rd of November, from about half past ten in the evening till about half past twelve, fire, (laughs) certainty, feeling, joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ. Isn't that potent? You see, with the eunuch, with Blaise Pascal, what every other Christian before, after, and in between them have in common is that there is this move from a religious exercise to an encounter with Jesus. And so here comes the question for us this morning, and I know there's a fair bit of grey around this that I won't be able to fully explore I'm not telling you that you need to have Blaise Pascal's experience. I'm not telling you that you need to have the Ethiopians, Ethiopian eunuchs experience. But I am trying to suggest to all of us that our Christianity begins and exists and ends in a relationship with the living Lord Jesus. From there... You will have, will get the joy, the thing that your soul seeks, that it needs, that it wants. Can I ask you this morning, do you have that joy? If you were to be asked, do you have a relationship with Jesus? What would your answer be? Do you know him? Does he know you? not prescribing to you a formula there's no set experience but in my observation generally people know the difference between practicing a religion and knowing Jesus and you'll know the difference too one way or another in your unique experience you'll know the difference and you may ask me the question but how will it happen what does it look like for me to to, to meet or to encounter the living Jesus I, he's not here, it's, it's a bit awkward, it's a bit strange what should I do? Let's say I am convinced that I, I don't know the living Lord Jesus I'm sort of worried that I am just doing a religious exercise all my, all my Christianity is, is a religious exercise where I think I can make myself better by obeying the rules or Or, you know, there's some good, but there's no encounter with the living Lord Jesus. What do I do if I suspect that that's the case? Well, um, it's very simple, really. Let me just read to you a promise that we have in Scripture from Jesus himself. Jesus says this, he says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you're evil, <laughs> know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? <laughs> so here's my encouragement for you. If, 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 if this is something that you struggle with, and, and I've got to toe a careful line, because I don't want to make anyone here unnecessarily anxious or fearful, yet at the same time, we've got to talk very openly and honestly about this. If you think, no, I don't know the living Lord Jesus as a living person in my life, or even I don't know him well enough, I want to know him better, more, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to do what this verse says. Father, I want to know your son. I want to know him personally. Give me the Holy Spirit. That's what the eunuch did. Heard about Jesus. He said, there's water. I want to know him. Let me get baptized. It's not more complicated than that. There's no real deep magic or well, there I mean it's deep, but, but there's no, you know. Could you bring yourself go into an inner room, to your own bedroom and seriously sit down and simply ask the God of the universe that you want to know his son personally (laughs) that's it and you watch what happens now we've had people express over the last couple of weeks for us interest of wanting to get baptised and we are going to have baptisms confident of it in the rest of the year not because we chase baptisms but because we believe that the living Lord Jesus shows himself to those who ask and this is what Acts is all about filled with people who have simply asked the living Lord Jesus that he would reveal himself to them because they want to know him and I urge you, I encourage you I invite you if this is something you want and you feel confident you don't have and you've been seeking for a long time and yet And yet, the joy is still lacking. Would you pray this prayer? Would you see what Jesus does with it? And would you talk to us in how we can help you to strengthen that experience? The seeking soul is met. Joy is found greater and more firm and assured than ever before in this Philippian eunuch's life. All right, that's the first character we meet. We move to the second. A surrendered spirit-led soul who speaks the scriptures. Philip. Can I read just the little bits there that... Again, that you saw earlier, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go to the south road. And then later in the end of the passage again, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot, stay near it. Tell me you, if you're a Christian, tell me that you read that, you don't feel a little bit of envy. (laughs) I do. I sort of go, that's cool, isn't it? The way that God works with this, this man. Told him, you go. An angel of the Lord appears to him and says, you go. Um, I kind of wish God would do that with me. (laughs) Or do I? (laughs) Or do I? (laughs) I mean, look at this man, Philip. He's just come from a persecuted area in Jerusalem. He went to Samaria, we did all that last week, and just how stupendous that was for him. And then he goes to this place and he has a phenomenal ministry there in Samaria. All that happened last week. And you go, man, that is incredible what God did there, and he's there. And perhaps a bit speculative, but surely he would be very attached to that. Surely this would be a place where he would want to stay. The Spirit comes to him and says, leave it left Jerusalem, it's going well here, leave it again. And what does Philip do? Philip goes. <laughs> and not only does he go, he goes into the desert. He goes into the desert. I don't know, I don't want to put too much on Philip here, but I dare say that this is a servant of Jesus who was coming at his life with a desire to be used by God and God honoured that. I don't know whether I often don't hear enough of the spirit or see enough of the things that I want to see because perhaps my starting point is that I, am I even willing to follow through with doing what he asks me to do if he does? <laughs> maybe not. Maybe, maybe it can change if within me there is a certain sense of deep desire, deep surrender for my life's purpose to be to hold out Jesus, right? On a daily basis. Now, I don't, again, want to invoke guilt as the driver for us to encounter the Holy Spirit. But I do want to say, I hope that it can be true of all of us to say that perhaps we, we say to the Lord, yes, I do want to have more of this sort of stuff in my life I do want to be led by the Spirit more in terms of who I should pray for who, who I should let's, let's be very basic here, let's not talk about uprooting ourselves and moving countries and stuff, although the Spirit will ask that of some, but, but who should I send a text to today what prayer should I pray for who today who does not know Jesus who, who, who might I just have a coffee with Who you know Baby steps, baby steps. Will we learn, and part of the hopes of our life is that we would learn to cultivate a life where the Holy Spirit does lead us in a way like this. Where we do hear him, where we do sense him, where he does operate in our thoughts and our hearts and speak to us. I think he can, I think he wants to. And I think he will. Again, if we ask him to. Right? Philip models that to us beautifully. Second thing we see about Philip, not only is he spirit-led, he's a guy who speaks the scriptures. Isn't this a a really unique feature of how this Ethiopian comes to faith? He he comes to faith. In fact, he comes to an encounter with the living Lord Jesus. Jesus how? With an open Bible (laughs) in the Word of God. It is in the Word of God that the living Lord Jesus is seen, is heard of, and will be encountered and experienced. This is this is such a cool, overt, clear feature of, of how this unit came to faith. And I put it to you, it is such a cool, unique virtue of our, you have come to faith as well. Because I'm confident that it's because of the words of the Bible. Read, memorised, explained, prayed in and over you that somewhere for all those in this room who have encountered Jesus as the living Lord, that's how it came about. The Bible was a key instrument. I'm confident of it. I'm also confident that in the mission that we are to do, if we are to be like Philip, one of the big things we need to do is do what Philip did. Lead those whom we love who don't know Jesus somehow in the Scriptures. And you'd say, but I don't know. I'm not a pastor. What do I know of the Bible? Um not the time and place to do all that can be done here, but, but you can do more than you think. You know, if it's, 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 it's again texting the correct Bible verse or a helpful Bible verse to the person who you know is suffering on a particular day. That makes a huge difference. It's opening the Bible with your children at home. It is opening the Bible for yourself. It is praying that God would grant you, me, the opportunities to to invite those who we love and say, can I read the Bible with you? Simple as that. You don't need to know all the ins and outs. The spirit with whom you're filled will lead it. So can I be more practical if you're here today and you say, look, I do want to know Jesus. I am going to pray that prayer Later today, or even at the end of the service, I'll pray it for you if you want to echo it in your heart. Read through the Gospel of Mark. Do it this month. Open it. Just read it. (laughs) See what happens. If you are a Christian and you say, I'm ready to take the next step, read through the book of Romans. This month. You will not be the same. You will never be the same. Because the Word of God is always going to accomplish something in you or in the person who you meet with. I'm staggered at the amount of times where I meet with someone. You know, yesterday I met with Omanelle Grunewald in the nursing home. And she said to me, when my time comes, it'll be Psalm 42 that I want to have read. And we read that Psalm out. And I encountered, I think, the presence and the power of the living Lord Jesus in that nursing home in an astonishing way. And I was reminded again of just how simple this is. (laughs) Read the Bible. Read the Bible with those who you love. Read the Bible for yourself. Read the Bible with those who you want to come to know Jesus. Lots more can be said about the difficulties of that. But I'll leave it there and simply say it is remarkable how simple it is to lead someone to encounter the living Lord Jesus. If You can read the Bible. You're well on your way. Alright. That's what we see from this servant. He's a spirit-led servant. He's a scripture-speaking servant. This is how We ought to be as followers of Jesus. Spirit-led, scripture-speaking servants. Now let's finish off. Third point. Third character we met is a soul-seeking sovereign. Soul-seeking sovereign. You know how you watch sometimes a photo or a picture and the person takes it up close and you can sort of zoom out a step You see a bit more of the picture and you can zoom out a bit more and then eventually you sort of see the grandeur of the full panorama. I want to do that under this point because I think we see three things about God here that really isn't something that speaking is something we must do but it is something that should speak to you and me about wow, wow this is This is who God is. This is is the sort of force and power at work behind the seeking soul and behind the surrendered, spirit-led, scripture-speaking servant. This this is sort of the the overall power that drives all those things. This is what this last point is all about. Okay, So so let me say three things, three stages of zooming out. Number one... uh, How amazing is it to see God's hand at work in the details of a person coming to faith? Look at this eunuch. Think about your own life. You believe in Jesus. How did that happen? I'm confident that there were many details. It wasn't just one person, one conversation, many years. Many details, many people, many books, many sermons, many everything, and you know what you're meant to see behind all of that—the hand of God who worked it all out in all its details in your life. Look at this eunuch. He's in the desert, (laughs) on the way back to Sudan. What are the chances? for dude running up to his chariot and asking him what he's reading. What are the chances that he'd be reading Isaiah 53? What are the chances that Isaiah 53 is about Jesus? <laughs> what are the chances that there's water there? All those sorts of things. It's remarkable, isn't it? Let me read to you a quote. Um, it's a bit lengthy, but it's a, one of the authors who really guide a lot of my thinking on Acts. Here it is. I want you to think about the day when you might be in eternity in heaven. This is where he gets us to think about. One sometimes muses that when heaven is entered, everyone who arrives there will be found at some point encircled by a significant group of praising people, comprising all those who contributed in any way to that individual's salvation. All those who prayed for them, all those who reflected Christ to them, all those who cared for them, all those who helped them to believe, all those who taught them some aspect of the gospel, whether through books written or movies or videos created, all those who witnessed to them, all those who preached the good news to them, all those whose sacrifices and service made possible the ministries which at particular moments influenced them towards Christ from their earliest moments to their final commitment. Every conversion is a miracle of divine grace, but it's also a miracle of divine orchestration, human complementariness and community. If you know Jesus, it's a miracle of the details that God has placed in your life come to know him. God is good. God knows what he's doing. But more than that, let's zoom out just one piece here. It's not only that there's something unique in the little details of the eunuch's life that led him to Jesus. Zoom back with me a number of thousands of years. In that very book, Isaiah, here's a promise that God makes. This is what the Lord says The eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, <laughs> to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. <laughs> what? God promised what would happen to that eunuch in the desert thousands of years before. He made a specific promise to a specific people as weird and strange as eunuchs. So what's the bottom line. This is a theme that repeats in Acts. No matter how weird you are, no matter how unlikely you are, or how unique you are as a person with a unique burden, you have a place in the heart and the promise of God. Thousands of years ago, God knew you. He knew your life, and he knew that he wants you. He did it for the eunuch, he's doing it for you. But not only is it sort of that level of zooming, let's zoom out one more. Oops. <laughs> let's go to Genesis. Genesis tells the story of a man called Noah. Noah has three sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth. And they kind of eventually populate the whole earth and don't have time to explain all that. But these three sons, they go out to uh, these different parts of the world. Shem is here. Japheth is here. Ham is here. It's Ham in the biblical account from whom all the African nations come. They stem from Ham. Okay? This is going literally right back to the beginning almost of humanity. Where is this Ethiopian from? He's a Hamite. He's a descendant of Ham. Finally, after thousands of years of history working itself out, God delivers on the promise that he made. that all the sons of Noah will be gathered in. Again, why raise that? I just want you to see the greatness and the glory of God. You and I, and we'll get to that, are Japhethites, Westerners, Europeans. God's design, God's desire is that the entire world will come to Him. Members from every language, tribe, tongue, all included, invited to encounter the living Lord Jesus. All right, let me finish. Ethiopian went on his way rejoicing. What is the chief end of man? Westminster Confession. The faith says, what's the purpose of your life? To bring God glory and to enjoy him forever. You hear today and you say, that is the joy I want. That is the joy I'm lacking. Let me pray for you now. Echo my prayer in your heart, even if it's the first time. If that joy of the Lord is something you have encountered before, but it's a little bit distant today, you haven't lost your salvation, but you are going through a tough time, let me pray for you too that God would renew it, remind you that you have the living Lord Jesus. He hasn't left, He is with you. May He bring that near as a reminder. Or for some here, if you're the seeking soul, let this be the day where you invite the living Lord Jesus into your heart. Let me pray for you. Lord, I am a seeking soul and I'm speaking just on behalf of the person here who, who is. I fear and I'm afraid that the joy the abiding joy of knowing the living Lord Jesus is not in my life. I want it to be. I'm asking you that you would enter, that you would grant me the Holy Spirit, that today might be the beginning, for I know you as the living Lord Jesus. Will you give me your Son, Jesus, in a way that I know, that I know, that I know, that he is real, that I know him, and that he loves me. And then, Father, I pray on behalf of others here who do know the living Lord Jesus, but for whom the joy, due to circumstances, perhaps, seems far away. Would you reassure them? Would you come near me? Would you remind me, would you afresh let me gaze upon you living Lord Jesus that you are with me and that you have all authority, that you love me, that you came to seek me out. And finally, Father, I pray for your children here that you would shape and fill and fashion each of us to be more like Philip in the unique ways that you call us to be. Let us know and rely and encounter the leading of your Holy Spirit as we love those who need the joy of Jesus. Lead us in the Scriptures. Make them alive to us when we open it in our devotional times, when we read it with our children, when we read it with those who have for some reason agreed to, to read it with us. Will you make it alive? And Lord, may the scriptures lead us always into the presence of the living Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay.